The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the 21st chapter. When Jesus entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? Jesus said to them, I will also ask you one question. If you tell me the answer, then I will also tell you by what authority I do these things. Did the baptism of John come from heaven, or was it of human origin? And they argued with one another, if we say from heaven, he will say to us, why then did you not believe him? But if we say of human origin, we are afraid of the crowd, for all regard John as a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we do not know. And he said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. What do you think? A man had two sons. He went to the first and said, Son, go and work in the vineyard. He answered, I will not. But later he changed his mind and went. The father went to the second and said the same, and he answered, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said, The first. Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are going into the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even after you saw it, you did not change your minds and believe him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Well, in that reading from the gospel today, we hear one of Jesus' lesser-known parables, which he tells, and this happened quite often actually, he tells it in response to a question, which in this case turns out to be a hostile question from some religious leaders, some officially very good people who have been getting increasingly put out with Jesus over the fact that, first of all, he's pretty soft on obeying all of the religious laws, which they know for a fact are things you need to obey if you're going to be religious or good. And plus, he keeps hanging around with all these people that are almost, well, acting like he approves of them. And these are not people who are religious and good. And then plus, yesterday, just yesterday, he stormed into the narthex. He started yelling and turning the furniture upside down. And as he was doing this, children were watching and they were singing, Hosanna to the Son of David, Hosanna to the Son of David. And these religious people were just not just appalled, they were furious. And they said, Jesus, tell those kids to shut up already. To which Jesus said, haven't you read in your Bible where it says that it will be the children, not the totally or supposedly wise, who will sing my praises? And they sputtered and stuttered a bit, but really added nothing, so Jesus turned and left. Which takes us now to that reading we just heard for today, which takes place when Jesus comes back to the temple the next day, which means after the religious leaders have had all night to think of a really tricky, smart question to trap Jesus with. How do you think that's going to go, right? Well, but they give it a try. They ask him, who gave you the authority to do all these things you're doing and to turn upside down and change all these things that you are turning upside down and changing? 
Jesus answers their question with a question of his own, which, by the way, just turns things right around into their own faces when he, when he takes their tricky trap question and, and says to them, well, what do you think about John the Baptist and his authority? It's a trick question because he knows what they think and they know what they think. They hated John the Baptist. He was always calling them hypocrites and calling them out. But at the same time, the people, the crowds love John the Baptist and so they can't say they hate John the Baptist because their, their poll numbers will plummet. And so they feign ignorance and they just act like they don't know. And Jesus says, well, then I don't know an answer to your question either. But he does tell them a story which, as it turns out, isn't just a story that's told to them. It's told about them and also about the crowds, especially the sinners. The religious leaders were so bent out of shape about because Jesus was acting like people like that were welcome in religious circles, for crying out loud. So Jesus said to them, what do you think? A man had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work in the vineyard today. He answered, I will not. But later he changed his mind and went. The father went to the second son and said the same. He answered, I go, sir. And he did not. What do you think, Jesus said, which of those two is the good son? No, that's not actually what he said. Neither of them are really all that good, are they? What he said was, which of the two did the will of his father. And they said the first. And Jesus said, truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are going first into the kingdom of God ahead of you. Tax collectors in those days, they were notoriously corrupt robbers and cheats who had sold their spiritual and patriotic souls to Rome in order to get corruptly rich at the expense of their fellow Jews and countrymen, and prostitutes, who, of course, who sold themselves to friends, Romans, and countrymen, most often not to get rich but to get by, by sinning and luring others to do the same with them. Tax collectors and prostitutes, Jesus said to the religious leaders of his day, citing the two demographic groups, the religious most often judged and condemned and knew they were way holier than, tax collectors and prostitutes, Jesus said, the ones way down there beneath the pointy tip of your judgmental religious nose, they, Jesus said, will get into the kingdom of heaven before you. Because why? Because like the second son in the parable, Jesus told them, you say all the right good things, but it never goes any further than that. You get all the religious words and songs and liturgies memorized, but you, you, you stop there. You, don't give, you give God lip service, but you don't give God any other kind of service. And so you fakes are the second son, the ones who are all about proper words and proper appearances, but when all is said and done, haven't done anything for the Father. If you're my age or older, um, and I don't know what the one is for someone younger, and I asked for a, someone to tell me, but nobody, I was busy. If you're my age or older, you can picture this, um, the second son, um, Eddie Haskell. Okay? Leave it to Beaver. There he is with this sincerely insincere 
eager look on his face as he says, uh, not to Mrs. Cleaver, but to his dad, certainly, Father, I'll be happy to work in the vineyard. I think everyone ought to take their turn and do their share and even do more than their share because there's a lot of slackers out there, Mr. Cleaver. I mean, Dad, there are many others who aren't doing their share, so don't you worry, Dad. You go and do whatever you need to do, wherever you need to do it. I'm on it. This is a model son until dad leaves, at which point this eager but absolutely insincere brown noser opens his Pizza Hut app and punches in an order for an original pan meat lovers, grabs a red bull, plops into the recliner, turns on ESPN, and sets out to do what he wants to do, which doesn't have anything to do with what his father said needed to be done. You can picture him sitting there in his dad's favorite chair doing nothing, even though dad had said there was lots that needed to be done and he'd said he would do it. Now, of course, this being one of Jesus' parables, you always have to be a little careful when you start picturing people because if you, if you let your guard down, what can happen when you start doing that is you can start to see, um, well, for example, yourself. At least, um, you know, if for you faith and religion have ever become about appearances to be made and proper words to be said in order to feel good and look good while sitting in your recliner or your church pew for that matter with your back turned to the real work the Father has asked you to do out there and you said you would. Here's a way clear point Jesus is making in this parable. Sitting here in church, sitting in dad's house, Saying all the right things to dad is just so much religious noise if it's not followed up by leaving here to go into the vineyards of our daily lives to do the things we're called by the Father to do because we are the church. Which is to say that the things you do, for, say for God's sake, are meant to become things that you do for God's sake. And given the fact that, well, if Jesus knows what he's talking about, God is love. Calling Jesus your Lord and Savior isn't just about knowing and getting all goosebumpy, feeling all loved. It's about being that, about being love, being God's kind of love in a world whose human-caused climate change day after day spawns hurricanes fed by the overly warmed sea surfaces of fear and wildfires fueled by the crunchy brown grass of not love but hate. The second story, son in the story, love being loved by God the Father, but one nothing to do with getting his hands, being the Father's desires. Sure, Dad, I'll go to the vineyard, he said, but that's all he did. He said. He didn't do. Of course, there's also the first son, the first Son being the one who right off the bat rebelled, gave his dad some attitude, some belligerence, some back talk, but later, later came around and did do what his dad asked. This son, in Jesus' original story, represented those tax collectors and prostitutes and various other sinners who had run around doing all kinds of sinning for years, but who now were coming around and seeing the light, and at last anyway, repenting, and finally even obeying 
doing what the Father wanted done, in spite of earlier saying they wouldn't. Which I suppose is where this parable reminds us that actions speak louder than words. Which is true enough, right? But it's not true enough, right? I mean, defiant words followed by obedient actions are apparently, according to this parable, preferable to saying all the right words and then denying them with your actions, but that doesn't make that first son a a hero of any kind or a role model really either because a true role model would be so in both word and action, right? Which leaves me thinking that to get to the truest truth in this story, this father, well, he needs another son. The brothers Jesus tells us about need a brother. Maybe an older brother, a firstborn, who doesn't lie to his father and doesn't lip off to his father, but obeys the father and does so right away, gladly, willingly. A son who loves his father with such unswerving devotion that he'll do what his father says as soon as he says it. A son who will take up his tools and head for the vineyard if that's what his dad says needs to be done. A son who will take up his cross and head for Jerusalem if that's what his dad says needs to be done. Because maybe if the two brothers had another brother like that, well, maybe they'd both come around. Maybe by watching their big brother, they'd learn how a father is supposed to be treated. Maybe from him, they'd see how much joy there can be for everybody when the father is obeyed. And maybe even when once in a while they did make a mess of things, maybe even then the older brother could help in a good word for the brothers. Saying something or maybe even doing something to patch things up with dad. Or lending him a hand so next time with some help, the two, two boys can maybe do a little better job. That third brother, of course, that older brother, that firstborn of the father is right there in our gospel reading for today, right? It's just that the other brother, of course, isn't one of the sons in the story. The other brother is the son who told the story. And as he did, there was already in his eyes the reflection of a cross, which, when he told this story, was actually just a few days away now. It is that son, the other son, the firstborn of the father, of whom Paul was writing in our reading from Philippians today when he wrote, let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave being born in human likeness and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore my beloved, Just as you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence, 
Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Amen.